Thank you very much, Norman. That's great. Yeah, guys, so this book, this actually does not look that exciting on the outside, does it? It's blue. It looks a bit dull. But I read this in 2008. My uh, mother's cousin, who's a Methodist minister, gave this to me. And he said, David, these disciplines will help you live a fruitful life for God. And uh, So I read it in 2008, and it was amazing. I read it again this year, and it was still quite good. So I want to encourage all of you, all of you, men, get your free copy of this book. And like I said, today we're looking at perceptions. This doesn't look amazing on the outside, but it is fantastic on the inside. So we're in Luke's gospel today, continuing our study. We're actually going back a few verses because myself and JP managed to miss, uh, miss a chapter out of the Bible. But we're going back in to sort that out now. Luke 20, 41 to 47, and Matthew 22, 41 to 45 also looks at the same conversation that we're eavesdropping into. And uh, we've made a lot about Jesus today in our worship, in the scriptures that were read, and the songs that were sung. Thank you, Sam. And uh, Jesus is often misunderstood, misperceived, and people are often misperceived. I'll just tell you a couple of stories about perception that we just, we can just make mistakes. I, I, as you know, I look after people's eyes, and often people come in to see me, and they'll say things to me like, I'm, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at the door, and it just doesn't look the way it used to look. It's a funny shape. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm a bit worried about your eyes. So what I do is I give them a very simple test. I give them a grid, horizontal lines, vertical lines, and a little dot in the middle. I say, just look at that. Look at the central dot there, please. And can you just tell me, do those lines look to be straight? And often they'll say, no, they don't. They look, they look like you know, a kid's drawn a, a wiggly worm or, or there's a gap in the middle of them. And I say to them, I'm really sorry, but you're actually not... You're actually not perceiving correctly. These are perfectly straight lines, and there's something wrong with the way you're seeing. So we need to, to help you see better. I'm going to send you to a doctor. And often we misperceive things about God. We misperceive things about, about people. My, one of my misperceptions about Jesus growing up in, in Northern Ireland, I went to my old church last week. Uh, I went there for many years, but I never had that revelation of my need for Christ. I always knew that he was uh, the Son of God, but I just thought he was substantially more cuddly than he actually is. <laughs> I thought that no matter what I did, it would be fine. And I, if there is a God, I'll get forgiveness on that last moment. I misperceived. I misperceived people. During COVID particularly, I remember uh, one of the ways I read people is I like being in a room with them, and I like talking to them. I like being able to see their eyes hear their voice, look at the way their, their body language is, so I can tell which one of you, which ones of you guys are interested in what I'm saying, just for the, that's better, Brian. I, the, the body language, all those things allow you to perceive accurately what's going on in people's hearts and minds, but over COVID, all of a sudden, it's, it's a video call, it's an email, I've been misunderstood, people have misunderstood me, I've misunderstood people. Even now, when we do the odd Zoom call on Elvis, I think Norman's angry with me. Can you imagine that? Norman, angry with me, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> we can misperceive things. So let's have a little look today at our text. So I'm actually going to read from uh, Matthew 22, 41 to 42. Matthew is a, he's a Jewish man, and he has served the Romans as a tax collector before becoming one of Jesus' disciples and an eyewitness. And Luke, 
is a Gentile. He's a medical doctor, and he's one of Paul's companions. They're totally different guys, and they both bring contributions to us here from the same story, the same conversation. And I find I need both of them to understand what's going on. So just to affirm you all, bring your contributions, bring your scriptures, bring your encouragement to the church. Because whenever we're anchoring meetings here, we're working out what God is saying by listening to what he's putting on your hearts, the scriptures, the pictures. Very important. I had a little picture while I was preparing this, I'm looking at Matthew and Luke, of, of a jigsaw puzzle. And usually when you buy a jigsaw puzzle, you can see all the pieces put together so you know what to do with your jigsaw pieces. But I saw all of you guys, I saw all my brothers and sisters with one piece of the jigsaw puzzle, and they're all coming together to give your pieces. And whenever you put your pieces together, we can see what God's saying. But if only 20 people out of 100 bring their pieces, we're kind of guessing a little bit. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So I encourage you. Some of you hear from God because you've told me. But you don't, come, you don't come and bring it forward. Bring it, please. Anyway, side note. Matthew 22, 41 to 43. This is the scene of this conversation. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? That's the backdrop. All these religious people are together. They've been asking him questions. They've been trying to catch him out. They even sent spies in to try and catch him out. And Jesus has answered perfectly. And now he returns a shot and asks them a question. Whose son is the Christ? Now we know from Luke's response to this that they answered the way uh, most, most Jewish people would have answered at the time. And it's actually correct as well. They said, he is the son of David. He is the son of David. And now we go back into Luke's gospel. But he said to them, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David says in the book of the Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. They love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So here Jesus is dealing with perception problems, perceptions of the Lord Jesus, perception of the religious leaders, and I also want to look at a few other false perceptions that we can have and we're vulnerable to. So Matthew's account, whose son do you think, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? This is a question that we all have to, to deal with, and I, I talk to a lot of different people about, about Jesus. They say he's, he's the son of David. Now, he is the son of David, but he's more. Our Muslim friends say he is a prophet. Jesus is a prophet, but he's so much more. I was speaking to this guy yesterday um, playing squash with, and uh, he had a bit of a chat about, about Jesus afterwards, and he implied that Jesus was a guy that would help you live a moral life. And he does teach us how to live a moral life, but he is so much more 
And in this nation, one of the things that I notice, probably more than where I'm from in Northern Ireland, this name of Jesus Christ is so misunderstood by the people here that it's used as a curse word. And that is a disgrace. Every time I hear his name used as a curse word, something just hits me inside, and it's so painful. Imagine using your mother's name as a curse word. No, no one would do that. Jesus is the only name in human history that's been used as a curse word. Hit your thumb, instead of saying an S word, you use Jesus' name as a swear. So misunderstood. People often do this out of ignorance, but wow, God has to see who he is accurately. It's life and it's death. So whose son is the Christ? He said to them, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? Just for the record, like I said, he is David's son. Paul says, descended from David according to the flesh. Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 3, we see the, ge- the human genealogy of Jesus. It shows that he descends from David according to the flesh. But in the same chapter, chapter 3, we see that wonderful baptism where we hear these words. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And this, I I know you guys hear this so often, but never let the wonder of this leave you. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God, and He comes into our world to rescue us. I have a lot of respect. I was driving in in Belfast last week, this, this wonderful fire engine just drove past. And I really like fire engines. I think I wanted to be a fireman for a while. I've got a lot of respect for them. Firemen go in to burning houses to rescue people who are burning at considerable risk to themselves. During the pandemic, you had doctors and nurses sitting with people with COVID, not knowing if we could kill them, risking their lives to save them. And we stand outside and we clap the NHS, and rightly so. The Son of God takes on flesh and enters into our brokenness, into our shame, into our suffering, and ultimately he is nailed to a cross and dies the most humiliating, painful, awful death for us. Never, ever, ever let the gospel bore you. Never say, I've heard that before. Never let the wonder of that go. It is amazing. Is so good. And we see his kindness again and again, even when he deals with the Pharisees. He meets the Pharisees where they're at. The Pharisees know the scriptures. They know the Psalms. They know that David, inspired by the Spirit, wrote the Psalms. So he's going to show them lovingly from the Psalms that he is so much more than the son of David. So he says, for David says in the book of the Psalms, and as I was just uh, um, reading this, I was just thinking, while we were in, in Ireland last week, we climbed the, the highest mountain in Northern Ireland, which is bigger than the highest mountain in Suffolk, just saying. 
we got off the boat. <laughs> That's quite funny. We got off the boat, and um, there was this hill. It's a little hill. And, and my son went, look at that mountain. <laughs> I said, oh, you're such a Suffolk boy. <laughs> that is a bump. <laughs> anyway, we climbed this mountain. It was hard work going up the mountain, but we met people along the way that encouraged us to keep going, a bit like in the Pilgrim's Progress, and we need each other in the Christian walk. On the way down the mountain, it was also difficult, but for different reasons, because this was a mountain. <laughs> there were rocks sticking up left, right, and center. You could potentially fall. And what I noted was there was a great level of concentration required in the walk down the mountain. I was walking down like this. I have to make sure I put my foot in the right place at the right time. And I was thinking about the scriptures. Your word is a light onto my feet and a lamp onto my path. And I want to encourage you again and again and again, because I still meet Christians who don't read their Bibles without it. You're walking down the mountain like this, and you're going to fall. Because the Word is a light onto my feet and a lamp onto my path. Please be in the Word for yourself. Please don't rely on us. It's too much pressure that we can deal with. Be in the Word for yourselves. He says in the book of the Psalms, what does he say? David wrote, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So let's just unpack this. The Lord... That's God speaking. The Lord says to my Lord. So the Lord is God. And the second, the Lord, my Lord, David refers to my Lord as the one that Psalm 110 identifies. Ellie read about Jesus being our high priest. In this Psalm 110, we see that this Lord that is being referred to is one in the order of Melchizedek, who is both a priest and a king, and divine and human. This Lord is the one he speaks of, and this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, and David calls him Lord, and yet he's also the son of David. So Jesus in his logic, did you follow that? Did you follow that? I'll get you at the end. <laughs> if, you didn't, if, you didn't, if you didn't catch that, I'll get you at the end. He's calling the Messiah, he's calling the Christ, the Lord, capital L, God. Jesus took on flesh. This is in the Old Testament, not just the New. Jesus then uses logic and says, if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Because David penned this 970 years before Jesus came. Before Abraham, I am. Jesus is God. And this is something that um, uh, actually I spoke with uh, Barry on the way in. and He said, what are you preaching on today? I said, I'm preaching on who Jesus is. He goes, well, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious if you've had a, if, if, if you've had a revelation of this. <laughs> it's pretty obvious if, if God has done such a beautiful work in our hearts that we see that Jesus is the Lord, God, Savior, King, Prophet, Priest, King. It requires that revelation. And this Lord is the one who makes your enemies, your footstool. Jesus had enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy, even in his earthly life. Herod kills all the two-year-olds to get rid of Jesus. The religious leaders nail him to a cross. He has enemies today. We have atheists who preach a doctrine that science disproves God. This same guy I spoke to yesterday, the atheist message is powerful, but is weak at the same time. 
I said to him, do you have any faith? He said, he said, no, I don't believe in God. I said, why? He goes, well, the science is pretty clear. And I said, what science? And he said, I don't know. I just heard that the science is pretty clear. <laughs> false message being preached out to our kids. This guy's in his 20s. Jesus beats all these, these enemies. He defeats them all. They're going to be under his foot. Wolves in sheep clothing, the liberal strand of the church, I think, is a greater threat. He's also the one that destroys our enemies. He's also the one that destroys all of our enemies. And uh, this guy I was speaking to yesterday, he said, well, I guess Christianity helps you live a moral life. And I said to him, I am not a Christian because it helps me live a moral life. I am a Christian because I need forgiveness. And that is the greatest need for each and every one of you. Forgiveness. And again, this requires a revelation. Just there when we were worshiping, I was just remembering stuff I've done, which you might think is not even that bad. I remember hitting my brother with a hockey stick. I just remembered when I was worshiping there. And I really hurt him. I really hurt him. I've lied. I stole money out of my mom's, my mom's purse when I was a kid. And the reality that it is, these things aren't going to put me in jail now. They're so wicked. And you need a revelation to realize just how much you need that forgiveness from God. We sang a song about the, the, the curtain was torn. Beautiful name. That tear in the curtain symbolizes the way to God is open for us. Until I make your enemies your footstool. He's, he's corrected our perception here about who he is. He's the son of David. He's the son of God. And he is our only hope. He's not a curse word. He's not just a prophet. He's the most precious thing that we have. Beautiful. And then he, he then says something. He then flips and says, in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, I want you to beware. 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 Now, when I see the word beware, one of the first things I think about is my old job when I used to go into people's homes who were disabled to look after their eyes. And I used to dread seeing the beware of a dog sign. Because, you know, sometimes you go in, there was a nice little cute pooch who wouldn't do anything, but sometimes you'd go in and the dog was terrifying. A bit like my dog, Dara. <laughs> the dog was terrifying. And I remember speaking to this guy and saying, is that dog going to bite me? And he goes, ooh, I shouldn't think so. <laughs> I wasn't filled with confidence. I was very careful. This dog, I backed off this dog. Very careful. We're told to mind the gap in London Underground. Walking up this mountain, my dear granny in her 80s phones me and says, David, if those clouds come down the mountain, you get off the mountain. I don't want you falling. Beware of speed cameras. Beware of having your drink spiked. Remember telling that, that to people. Beware is a very serious word. And Jesus says something very important. He says, beware of the scribes. Now, beware of the scribes. The same way I back off the dog. Beware of these particular scribes. And I think there is a warning for us and people that we can listen to now. We have access to stuff all over the world. Beware of the scribes. What do they look like? They walk around in long robes 
It looked really good, really good on the outside. They love greetings in the marketplaces. So they look really good on the outside, and they are popular. When I, when I walk along Berry Market, I don't get greetings. Don't get greetings. I'm not popular. They get greetings in the marketplace. The best seats in the synagogues, just for the record, this front row is not reserved for the scribes. Anyone can sit on this front row. Like the best seat in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. So they look good. They seem to be people like them, but they are deadly. And look at what they do. They go for vulnerable people. They devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, they make long prayers. I had to look at the commentary to see what they were doing with the widows' houses. They were taking loans against these houses that the, the widows could not pay back and taking their houses away from them. This is really evil. This is really evil. So beware of them. They don't know who the Messiah is. <laughs> and they're destroying people. And just as I was reading this, I was just thinking back to when I first started following God. I didn't have a church that I went to. Um, I just didn't for uh, probably six months or so. I didn't find a church home. In fact, this really was my church home <laughs> that I found. And it was so, so, so wonderful. So I used to watch all this stuff on the God Channel. I don't know if any of you have seen the God Channel. And looking back now, because I know I know the Word of God a bit better, <laughs> some of the stuff on there is dangerous. It's deadly. Some of it's good, but some of it is just awful. It's just awful. You see people dressed in very nice suits taking widows' inheritances. I remember seeing this guy trying to sell for a gift, sorry, handkerchiefs that have been prayed over. And if you receive this handkerchief, you're going to be healed. That is evil. And I just wanted to tell you, and say, Jesus said, beware of the scribes. Now, we haven't got the same type of scribes walking around Barry St. Edmunds, but you have access to all sorts of stuff. That's why you need to be in the word of God for yourselves. I could say something false from the front. I don't want to, but don't trust me. Trust the word. They will receive the greater condemnation. And the reason why I said earlier that uh, these guys are in big trouble, obviously. The reason why I said earlier that the greatest need we have is forgiveness. is because every single man, woman, and child, no matter how great they look, has sinned against a holy, holy, perfect God. There's a guy... Uh, there is a guy I, I like called Francis Chan, and he was preaching, and there's a guy called John MacArthur in the front row. And Francis Chan, he's getting really nervous because John MacArthur was there. And his wife said to him, his righteousness is like filthy rags. Every one of us, every one of us before God has sinned, every one of us is under condemnation without Christ. And... Jesus said, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we have to have an understanding who Jesus is. We have to have an understanding who we are. 